Cyberpunks. This intro is going to be a little tougher than usual for you because I have two questions this time around instead of the usual one. I hope you studied up. Okay, here it goes. What needs do you see in your community? That's question number one. And question number two is, what can you do to step up and help meet those needs? Now, I'll let you think about that while we listen to some of our Dunkerpunks music from Jacob Krauss. I don't want to be rich, don't want to be popular, don't want to be selfish, no. I don't want to be a goat, don't want to be ignorant, don't want to be blindfolded, I just want to be countercultural. I don't want to be violent, don't want to have a vendetta, wanna be vengeful, no. I don't wanna be a soldier, don't wanna be militaristic, don't wanna help that cycle, I just wanna be a countercultural pacifist. I don't wanna be a racist, don't wanna be a capitalist, don't wanna be sexist, no. I don't wanna pass judgment, don't wanna hold grudges, don't wanna be hateful, I just wanna be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditional lover. I don't wanna shop at Walmart, don't wanna grow Monsanto, don't wanna drink Coca Cola, no. I don't wanna burn petrol, don't wanna eat perfect fruit, don't wanna feel guilty, I just wanna be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving organic gardener. I wanna be authentic, I wanna be radical, I wanna be optimistic, honest, beautiful, I wanna be humble, I wanna be progressive, I wanna be open, I'm inspiration. I wanna be like John Wesley, or Sarah Major, or Anna Mao. I wanna be like Martin Luther, or Martin Luther King Jr., like Santa Claus, Johnny Appleseed, Dirk Dillon, or Gandhi, Alexander Mack, John Klein, George Fox, or Jesus Christ. But mostly, I just wanna be me. I just wanna be me. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Dunker Punks Podcast. My name is Emmett Eldred, and I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm back for one last episode before we hear from my co-host again, Nancy Fitzgerald, who is the pastor of Arlington Church of the Brethren. Now, Pastor Nancy has been on vacation for the last couple of weeks, so I've been filling in for her on some extra episodes, but now it's my turn to do some crazy stuff. I'm about to go off and get married, and I'm actually going to move to a brand new city also, so lots of things going on in my life, and so she'll be filling in for me for the next couple of episodes. In today's episode, you're going to hear a conversation between Laura Weimer and Charlie May. Laura Weimer is a member of the Arlington Church of the Brethren, and she contributes frequently to the Dunker Punks podcast with episodes that feature various charitable organizations in Arlington County, Virginia. Charlie Mang is the executive director and CEO of the Arlington Food Assistance Center, or AFAC, which serves 2,500 Arlington County residents each week. 
There's a lot of really great stuff in this conversation, and I don't want to give too much of it away. But I do want to zero in on one point that will help us center our listening for this episode. You're going to hear Charlie talk about what it's like to serve struggling families and individuals in one of the richest counties in the United States, which, by the way, also makes it one of the most prosperous places in the entire world. The median income in Arlington County is over $100,000. Now, that's twice the median income for a household in the United States, and it's actually 10 times the median income for households on the planet Earth. So what does that mean? Well, one of the things it means is that poor residents in Arlington County are overlooked. They are often invisible to their own neighbors, and they are vanishingly scarce in the dialogues that we have about places like Arlington County. That's why AFAC and other social safety net organizations are so important. It's because they're in the community to cast a light on these residents, to amplify their stories, and to recognize the divine beauty of their existence and to meet their needs. Likewise, You know that we read throughout scripture various stories of people who are overlooked for myriad reasons. In those stories, we also always read about God's special concern for those who are left out, marginalized, unseen. And then we bear witness to stories of God's faithful servants who, throughout the history of the Bible, serve God by serving those in need. And then we receive the sacred calling to be with God on the margins We are bound and we are also uplifted by his commission to strive for equity, peace, and justice with unconditional love and with unrestrained spirits. So that's why I'm so really very grateful to Laura's commitment uh, that she has shown to uplift the stories of people that are doing just that kind of work in their community. And most importantly, that Laura invites us to join in. So without any further ado, let's hear from Laura Weimer. Arlington Food Assistance Center, and I'm talking with the Executive Director and CEO, Charlie Meng. A long-time and frequent listeners of the podcast may remember the previous two episodes I was in, and both highlighted nonprofit organizations in Arlington, Virginia, in the location of my home church, which is Arlington Church of the Brethren. The first interview I did was at OAR, Offender Aid and Restoration, and the second was at Doorways. Today we will be learning about another vital nonprofit organization in Arlington, Virginia. I am especially excited to be at and learn more about AFAC today because members of my church volunteer here every other month and I've had the opportunity to work as a volunteer helping with food distribution at AFAC numerous times. So Charlie, thank you again for um, agreeing to meet with me today. Could you tell me a little bit more about yourself and how you ended up at AFAC? Um, well... Uh, I, I actually grew up in higher education, uh, spent a number of years uh, working uh, at Georgetown University and at other institutions, um, basically doing management, uh, overhead uh, oversight of, of all of those things at a college or university that no one else wants to do. I spent 14 years there and then moved on to the Kennedy Center where I was basically vice president for administration there also. And I've had several other consulting jobs, but what attracted me to AFAC was really the great potential uh, that this organization had at the time I started and still does. Uh, We do some great things here. 
Right now we're serving almost 2,500 families uh, each week. Wow. I think that's, uh, that's certainly something that has changed since, since I've been here. The need is growing. Even though Arlington County is a very wealthy county, there remains a large number of families who really don't have the food that they need to stay healthy and working and dedicated to their families. And that's what we're here to do. And that's one of the great things about AFAC. Uh, we were founded almost 30 years ago as an all-volunteer organization by some very dedicated local uh, activists. And then shortly after we were founded, we were joined by six congregations here in Arlington, all of whom had small food pantries uh, in their basements or, or in community centers. And they all banded together and said, let's support AFAC, we'll send our families here, our donations, and our volunteers. To this day, those congregations still run our Saturday morning uh, distributions. So it's a long-time commitment uh, that these congregations made to AFAC. In the meantime, you know, we were started as an all-volunteer organization and many years uh, remained uh, all-volunteer. Uh, until about maybe 15 years ago when we hired our first staff member, and that has grown. When I started here in 08, we had four uh, full-time staff members. We now have 21 full-time staff members. But more importantly, I think we've stayed committed to using volunteers and encouraging volunteerism uh, in the Arlington community. We now have almost 2,200 volunteers that work for us. Uh, and I think that's a testament to the dedication that this community has to help the least fortunate among us. Yeah, no, I mean, that sounds great. That's really interesting because I didn't really know about AFAC's history. And I, you know, I started volunteering here I don't know, even maybe elementary school, and I've definitely uh-huh. seen it grown in terms of, you know, sort of the outreach and the staff. Um, so could you just sort of, you know, tell me what specifically AFAC does? What services does it provide? Well, we, uh, we provide uh, supplemental groceries to families in need here in Arlington okay. County. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's our basic mission. We have a program that also provides food for kids in the Arlington public school system okay. who um, don't have sufficient food over weekends or long holidays. And, of course, we have our plot, uh, our uh, planter row uh, program where we supply seeds to backyard gardeners and community gardens and, and what have you. Uh, we only ask that you bring back the the produce you can't use. Uh, last year, that amounted to almost 70,000 pounds wow. worth of fresh produce. Wow. Uh, it's a great program. It also gets us out into the community. Mm-hmm. And while while our main mission is to provide folks who are food insecure with, you know, healthy, nutritious groceries, our other mission is really encouraging volunteerism. And I think that's uh, always important in, in everything that we do. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I've heard about the um, the plots and pe- the seeds and everything, right. and I think that that's really interesting. I think especially providing the healthy foods and healthy alternatives here right. at AFAC. And and that's part and parcel of what we do. Yes. Uh, one of the things is that we try to focus. You know, obviously we're providing food to families in need. 
Most food pantries in the United States, first of all, serve their families once a month. Uh, here at AFAC, our families come once a week. In the United States, the average that you, uh, average amount of food you get at a food pantry is about 40 pounds. The same is true here at AFAC also, although obviously we're, we're providing that food on a weekly basis rather than a monthly basis, mm -hmm. so it's a, a, a much more food. One of the benefits of having all of these small food pantries consolidated here in Arlington is that we can now buy food uh, in fairly large quantities so that we can take advantage of wholesale discounts and volume discounts. And accordingly, the food that we do buy, we buy very low in, in terms of price, not in quality. It's the same, same food that you get in your local grocery store. But for instance, we're now buying chicken for 59 cents a pound. Wow. We're buying a half gallon of milk for something under a dollar and a dozen eggs for, you know, slightly almost a dollar. Uh, a dozen. And so that's one of the things we try to focus on is to provide the high cost items in a family's shopping cart, mm -hmm. if you will. Uh, we try to focus on dairy products, fresh produce, fresh fruit and fresh vegetables, and also a lot of the staple items that family needs. So we buy a lot of food. We've got a million dollar food purchase budget. Oh. and. I, and that's unusual in, mm -hmm. in the way we operate here at AFAC. Uh, the other thing that's unusual about how we operate is that we work on what's called a choice model. Mm -hmm. Most okay. uh, food pantries in the United States will fill a, a bag or a box and just say, you know, this is what we've got, so, you know, you know this is what we can give you. Well, here at AFAC, we try to respect the dignity of, of everybody that comes here by allowing them to choose the food that they and their families will eat. Uh, the hope is that there's a lot less waste in that process. And odd things that one family might not want, we can always find another family who, who uh, will want that. And every once in a while, we get those crazy things like, you know, the, the, the case of caviar that Trader Joe's sent us. Why? I, I don't know why. Maybe they needed the shelf space. But we've got a lot of Russian immigrants at one of our uh, distribution sites. So all the caviar went down to the wow. Russians. So there's somebody who will love uh, whatever we have on our yeah. shelves, and it goes to the right place. Yeah. Though so I was, you know, researching a little bit on, on your website and everything, right. and I did notice the choice model, and I did think that that was you know, very interesting. I think for one thing, it helps people, as you said, get the food with, with dignity, but also get things that they will enjoy and, you know, that they will be able to use, as you mentioned, so things won't go to waste. Mm -hmm. You did mention that you have a million-dollar food budget that you purchase. Where else do you get food? Um, you mentioned Trader Joe's as well. Do you get donations? We get it really from two, two places. Okay. Um, you know, food, food drives... People donate themselves, individuals, families donate food to us. They just come up to the loading dock and, you know, donate it, and uh, we give them a receipt, uh, which is, by the way, that's all tax deductible. Mm -hmm. A second place is that we've got three drivers who drive around every morning, early in the morning, and pick up from all of the local grocery stores. Okay. So they're very large donors uh, to us on a, on a daily basis. 
I mentioned Trader Joe's because Trader Joe's wants their food picked up at 10.30 in the evening. And I mentioned we have a lot of volunteers. We also have a, uh, a crew of insomniacs who volunteer by, you know, every, every day wow. to pick up a van here at AFAC at 10 o'clock in the evening and go pick up food at the three local Trader Joe's and bring it back here and sort it, you yeah. know, early in the morning. So those are really the, the, the three sources, you know, individual donations through food drives or, or whatever, purchased food, and donated food from grocery stores. It used to be that those, that donated food made up 60% of what we distributed. Okay. But because of the growth in families, that is now actually reduced to about uh, 40% of what we uh, distribute. So we're now buying more and more okay. food to fill in where food donations do not. We're at right now, is this your sort of main AFAC office and main distribution center? Yes, uh, okay. here at South Nelson Street. Okay. Uh, we actually have eight distributions a week here. Okay. Uh, six mornings and two evenings. Wow. But then, you know, as I said, our drivers pick up food in the morning, in the afternoon, they then take uh, food to 17 other distribution sites around the county. Wow. Because, you know, we all have time constraints on our, um, on our lives, and that's no different. In fact, it's even more important for, for many of our families who would otherwise have to get here either through public transportation or, or private car, uh, and then they would have to get themselves back. So, for instance, we bring food to the five low-income senior living facilities here in Arlington so that those elderly folks don't have to somehow get their, their, themselves down here and then get 40 pounds of food back to their home. Yeah. We might as well, we, you know, the best way to do it is bring it to them yeah. uh, and distribute it out of where they live. Um, so we do have 17 uh, other distribution sites. Here we have our main offices on the second floor and our distribution uh, on our first floor. Okay. We also have leased the building next door as you can see, this floor has been fully renovated. Right, we've, right. We've just completed that renovation, and uh, any day now we're going to start the renovation of the first floor. Okay. Uh, we're going to move all of our operations to the building next door and turn the first floor over to our contractors, and we're going to rip out the crooked floor downstairs, okay. uh, <laughs> add additional refrigeration capacity. Okay so that we can buy in even greater volume and get even larger discounts. Okay. And then we're going to change the traffic pattern in the building so that families come into a, a new waiting space, but more importantly, they'll go into a new space that will have two lines through it and will look much more like a, uh, your standard grocery store okay. so that we'll be able to handle food better and more appropriately. Uh, in addition, in the back of the space, in the old offices, we're putting a preparation kitchen because much of the food that we do buy is purchased in 50-pound uh, containers or uh, larger quantities mm -hmm. that our volunteers then separate out mm -hmm. into smaller quantities for our, uh, for our many families. Yeah. Uh, and then outside, we're going to remove all of the concrete and build new a new ADA compliant ramp for our families and there's going to be uh, coverage for uh, the area where our families wait in the morning 
so that they'll be uh, so they won't have to deal with inclement weather. Yeah. No, I mean all of that that's really exciting. You know, I'm sure it's a big project to undertake, but I've always been amazed at you know, the space where the food distribution is, is a fairly small space. And I right. know it does get, you know, backed up and cramped, but I'm always amazed at how, you know, well and how, like, efficient it is. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's tough, but I've always been amazed at how many families you'll notice at the end of, you know, I've done some Saturday morning distributions, and, like, how many families we've been able to get through there in about two hours. Right. Um, it's But it is a quite, quite a small space, Um it so is, but it's. I mean, I've always, but it's worked. Yeah, we do. Well, yeah, you know? it, it. Yeah, it works well. But it can work better. Sure. Yeah. Okay? So that'll be and, really exciting. Um, and it will be. Yeah. Um, you know, one of one of our our my concerns is is clearly the number of families that are coming to us. Yeah. You know, um, Arlington County is a very wealthy county. Right. Uh, the average median income in the county is $116,000, wow. which is a lot. Right. Uh, but you also have to think of, remember, that that's the peak of a bell curve. So there are a lot of families, obviously, that are uh, making a lot more money than that. But conversely, there are a lot of families who are making a lot less. And I think that's what we forget in Arlington County is, you know, we, we make a lot about that, that peak, but we don't think about all of the families who are in need. And that's, those are the families that we're here to serve. Now, the, my big fear is that what's happening uh, nationally uh, will result in some significant reductions to domestic programs. Mm-hmm. If the federal government succeeds in having passed a budget by October 1, I think we're going to see significant cross-the-board domestic cuts. Uh, but even if they don't get that budget passed, if they don't have a budget passed, the sequester cuts of, of past years come back. The SNAP program is going to be reduced by $20 billion. Wow. Uh, the last time they cut uh, the SNAP program in fiscal year 14, November of 13, we saw a 25% increase uh, just from an $8 billion reduction. Wow. So what we're really, what I'm trying to aim at is having this building fully renovated by the time we see a new influx of families. Wow. And that's going to be, it's going to be very difficult because the SNAP program food stamps will be cut, but so will a number of other domestic programs that our families also take advantage of. We're going to have some very some families that are hurting uh, in the yeah. very near future. Yeah, I mean that's of course yeah very concerning. With I mean th- those are major cuts, but I mean again I know AFAC is one organization, but I mean you guys do a lot of great work, so it is you know it's encouraging to hear that you are you know of course you can't right. you know change the, change what's going to happen but of course it's you know encouraging to hear that you're you know planning ahead and thinking ahead yeah. the, for the, those things yeah but the problem is that you know AFAC is unusual in many ways and one of the ways that we're unusual is that we receive no federal funds okay and wow. we receive no state funds uh, okay wow okay so and it costs almost $7 million to run this place wow. and to provide the food. So, you know, yeah. that puts a, a huge demand on our fundraising activities. Yeah. 
it puts a huge demand on on are we are we going to be able to to feed everyone that comes to us mm-hmm. uh, to date we have not had a, a wait list wow and wow. i don't know how i'm going to do a wait list i i don't right. i don't i'm not going to distinguish between one hungry family and another hungry family so somehow yeah uh, we're gonna have to uh, serve everyone that comes to our doors yeah and how do people get to AFAC how do how are they you know eligible to receive food here like how is that process we'll serve any family anyone that comes to our doors uh, who have who are Arlington County residents okay but then we ask you to go up to uh, one of our partners most likely that's going to be the Arlington County Department of Human Services and we do that purposefully because if you don't have food a family has other problems too uh, unemployment is one of the typical problems but presented, but then there are other, other issues also, health issues, housing issues. And by getting a family to go to the Department of Human Services, we're getting them into the system. And that family can be looked at and all of their needs evaluated at DHS. And then they can get a referral back to us. Okay. Uh, we've got a cloud-based password-protected system that social worker up at DHS can enter that, fill out the referral form, it gets sent down here electronically, and then when the family comes back, we issue them a barcoded grocery store-like card. And then each time that they come, they can come once a week for 12 weeks. Uh, each time they come, they just swipe that card, it registers them in, and it also warns them when their referral is about to expire so that they can go back to their social worker to get that referral uh, renewed. Okay. You can get your refer- referral renewed as long as a social worker believes that the family will benefit from AFAC's services. Okay. So we've had, we have families, uh, mainly our elderly families, who have been with us for very long periods of time. And as a matter of fact, unfortunately, no one ever goes out of our database because, unfortunately, oftentimes they will return to us maybe in a year or two. Mm-hmm. So we do have 20 other partner agencies that can refer families to us. Okay. Uh, and again, that's, uh, that's a means by which we can try to get as many people as possible in need to come to us and uh, get the food that we can provide. Yeah, and it sounds like then also get some other, you know, other services that can, you know, try to help exactly. help their family. Do you find, and I don't, you know, know how much you know about the clients, um, do you find that a lot of it is like families with children or, you know, elderly, or is it just sort of everyone? Are well, there's, there's basically uh, three groups of folks okay. that, we, that we serve. The first group is what you think, the unemployed and the underemployed. The okay. underemployed who are making minimum wage, which is seven twenty-five an hour. That's obviously a, a large group, and that's the, that's the group you would expect. Right. Uh, the second group are individuals who are disabled, disabled in, in body and in mind. Um, they're the silent ones in our society. And then the third group, and actually the group that is the fastest growing group for us, are the elderly living on fixed incomes here hmm. in, 
here in Arlington County. Wow. Uh, these are individuals that, you know, bought their house long ago, paid off the mortgage, they've raised a family here, um, they're on a, a retirement program uh, that brings them a certain amount of money, but, you know, as they age, things aren't adding up as costs keep increasing. Mm -hmm. They have, um, uh, it's difficult for them to make ends meet, uh, and they come to us. Mm -hmm. um, now, I said that we're now serving t almost 2,500 families. Right. Those 2,500 families are made up of about 4,200 individuals. Okay. A third of those individuals are children under the age of 18. Wow. So that's a, that's right. a major category, wow. too, all by itself. Wow. You know, the other side of things, yeah. the other unusual thing is that, you know, we know that the families who come to us really do need this food. Okay, and, and that's a little bit different. Most food pantries in the United States will serve anybody who comes to their doors. Mm -hmm. Now, it is a self-selecting group. You don't really want to go to a food pantry to get your food. Right. Uh, as a matter of fact, while we're serving 2,500 families right now, we've got 4,000 families referred to us. So mm -hmm. there is another, you know, 1,500 families or so who are not coming to AFAC wow. to get their food. And that sort of puts the lie to this, you know, myth that there are a lot of people taking advantage of the situation. Right. I have 15, AFAC has 1,500 families who are trying their best to find the food that they and their families need, and they're succeeding. Mm -hmm. Now, they're probably returning to us once or twice a month or, or, or you know, once every few months, uh, but they're trying their best uh, to survive and make th make ends meet. These are really, you know, many of them are, are deeply hardworking and dedicated families yeah. who are really trying to make, um, you know, make for themselves and their families exactly what we all want to make, um, you know, a little bit better lives for ourselves. Yeah, no, I mean, that that is very interesting, the fact that there are that many people who would be eligible but then they are, you know, working and getting the food themselves and trying to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I do have one question. I saw on AFAC's website um, something about hunger versus food insecurity. Right. And I was wondering if you would touch on that a little bit, sort of the difference. Because we would, I've, you know, heard of people who are hungry. And I've noticed a few times you've mentioned food insecure. Right. Um, what is the distinction there? Well, um, there's not a lot of distinction, okay. but the... But the thing you have to remember is that, you know, we don't in the United States have the kind of crushing hunger that is found in some developing countries, you know, where there simply is not, a, you know, there's not food to eat. Sure. Okay. Um, what we have in the United States is, yes, a level of food insecurity that sometimes, you know, during a month or a week, you don't have enough food for your family. And that has some very um, uh, interesting dynamics. Um, you know, we don't have thin children in the United States that results from hunger. What we have in the United States is childhood obesity and people making poor decisions about their nutrition. You know, one of the simple ways that a family can address not having enough food is to go and buy a 50, cents, 50 cent box of macaroni and cheese. Well, what are you serving your kids? 
yeah, the kids like it. Mm-hmm. It's filling, but it's also high salt, high sugar, and high uh, fat. Mm-hmm. You know, all things that lead in children to obesity. So that's what you find in the United States is, hmm. is the fact that families don't have enough money, so they're serving their kids mm-hmm. um, something that is convenient and easy. Mm-hmm. Our elderly families have the same problem. Many of them uh, will go, for instance, to a fast food place and buy off the dollar menu. But again, what do you get? High fat, high salt, and high sugar. Uh, high sugar leads to type 2 diabetes. High salt le- leads to hypertension. And um, high fat leads to uh, uh, heart disease. You know, so what we try to do... So what we have here in the United States is what's called really food insecurity. Okay. They don't really know where their next meal is coming, right. going to come from, but it's going to come from someplace. It's, mm-hmm. You know, we have the food. Uh, hmm. They'll come to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're trying to do is provide, as I said, the high-cost items in a grocery right. basket and a healthy, nutritious menu of items that helps families, and particularly the elderly, make better decisions about what they're eating. Yeah, I think that definitely makes sense. Some of the things you mentioned, I've definitely found myself gravitating towards at the grocery store and not even necessarily on a fixed income, but things that are cheaper, prepackaged, you know, Easier. processed, they're cheaper, and you think, okay, I'll, you know, do this, but I think that's especially important, like you mentioned, AFAC, doing, you know, the milk and the proteins with the meats, that those can get very expensive at the store. And vegetables mm-hmm. and fruits can get very expensive right. at the store. So I think that so that's vegetable, very interesting. So vegetables and fruit aren't going to be bought, but they're right. important to any, right. you know, they're, balanced diet. Of course, yeah. You know, and that's the other thing that we're also trying to deal with here is the whole nutrition issue. Mm-hmm. We've got a nutritionist on, on staff. Oh. Uh, who does food demonstrations and works on uh, teaching our families uh, how to prepare a nutritious meal, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, which is something that's important. And also, we're dealing with a lot of immigrants from other countries with different access to food and and are not aware of some of the uh, some of the food stuffs that we have in the United States. And so we. We try to help our families to make better decisions about mm-hmm. the nutrition uh, that they receive. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like people, clients that come here not only receive food, but it sounds like a lot of support from AFAC as well as support from, you know, Department of Human Services. So right. trying to get people sort of like a holistic approach to helping people. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. essential. And it's also yeah. one of the reasons why we also work very closely, not only with the Department of Human Services, but with a number of affordable housing yeah. um, nonprofits. Yeah. It's our, you know, the way we need to address hunger is is holistically. And, yeah. and all of the safety net uh, nonprofits here in Arlington County really do work together mm-hmm. uh, to help our families. Yeah, well, this has been really great, and I've really learned a lot. I've, you know, I felt like I knew some about AFAC, but I'm definitely even more, you know, just like excited and feel, you know, that AFAC is really doing 
feel like what an organization like this should be doing. Right. Um, so it, this is definitely very exciting. I do have just one more question. Um, a lot of the people who are listening aren't necessarily from this area. Some are. Right. Um, so say if somebody wants to help an organization, say even help AFAC, or if they want to help an organization like AFAC, what's the best way to go about doing that? Well, the best way is uh, to go to an organization's website. Okay. Uh, at uh, AFAC, you can go to our website, afac.org. Okay. There are buttons there, pages that that uh, explain how to volunteer here. Okay. We have lots of volunteer opportunities. Uh, there's a page that explains how to run a food drive, if you wish to run a food drive for us. Hmm. And obviously, the other two important pieces are our volunteer section, and of course, uh, we do need financial support. Okay. want to give a really heartfelt thanks to both Laura and Charlie for giving us that insightful and very informative conversation. So once again, if you want to learn more about AFAC or if you want to donate or volunteer, we certainly encourage you to do that. You should go to their website at AFAC, that's A-F-A-C dot org. Now, if you live in the Church of the Brethren, if you've participated in it at all, you've probably heard our tagline, which is peacefully, simply together. Um, but one one word that I think is missing from that list is service. <laughs> I think that it's probably just because it's hard to turn service into an adverb. So really, another way that you could think about it is by asking yourself, what are we doing peacefully, simply, and together? Well, among other things, is service. That is what the brethren do. Often, on this podcast, I'll admit it, and in other Dunker Punks materials, we often get wrapped up in the larger and more abstract conversations. We talk about things like public policy, civic life, about global issues like war, famine, global health, and the refugee crisis, and through all of these conversations, how do Christians fit into advocating for a more just environment? And that is, that is great. Uh, those are the topics about which I personally am most passionate, which is why I've, often I'm one of the ones that is speaking about that. And, of course, our shared interest in those conversations is a big part of why I love to be part of the Dunker Punks in the Church of the Brethren. But the brethren, you know, we also know that where words fail, where progress is stymied, where legislation stalls, where injustice reigns, God is there and God is working. And he calls upon us to be there too in mind and in spirit, but also in action and in our physical presence. While brethren participate in advocacy and thought leadership, we also roll up our sleeves. We've participated in programs like Brother and Volunteer Service and Disaster Ministries. We've seen the amazing work of the EYN in Nigeria. And there's just so many more examples, contemporary and historical, we can point to of Brethren getting involved, getting down and dirty in service. And Charlie, I think one of the really things that is really great in this interview is that Charlie awakens us to the fact that those two planes of involvement, service and advocacy, they aren't mutually exclusive, but quite the opposite. They're just two sides of the same coin. Yes, we should be having conversations about transforming systems to promote peace, justice and equity. But we must also be there in the meantime, meeting the needs that we see and casting light upon the injustices that otherwise go unnoticed. So Dunker Punks, this is your challenge. 
Think about it. If there is a need in Arlington County, Virginia, one of the most prosperous and wealthiest places on the planet, then there is a need in your community as well. Find it. Be there. And make a commitment to serve. In 1 Peter 10, verses 8 through 11, Paul writes to Peter, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love makes up for many of your faults. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay for the night. God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. Are you called to preach? Then preach as though God himself were speaking through you. Are you called to help others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies so that God will be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Jesus Christ be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Just one last time, I'll say thank you so much for listening to the Dunker Pumps podcast. You can always find us online at arlingtoncob.org or on social media at Dunker Punks Pod. We're also available on Stitcher and iTunes. If you want to support what we're doing, reach out to us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. The Dunker Punks podcast is a collection of people who are all committed to serving by sharing stories of God at work around us and urging our listeners to join in God's work for peace, justice, and equity. I'm your host, Emmett Eldred, and you can find me on Twitter at Emmett Eldred and blogging at dunkerpunks.com. Our other host is Pastor Nancy Fitzgerald. Our music is by Jacob Kraus, and our show is produced by Suzanne Lay. And please be sure to tune in for our next episode featuring Dylan Del Haro. That episode drops August 19th. Until then, be sure to like, subscribe, and if you listen to us on iTunes, rate and review us on there. And maybe, just maybe, even share your favorite Dunker Punks episode with a friend. Thanks a lot. Take a listen. For the Dunker Punks. Oh, oh for the Dunker Punks. Yeah. yeah they're cool. That's a cool group. What's up, Dunker Punks? What does it even mean to be a Dunker Punk? What does it mean to live out Jesus' calling in a changing world? Dunker Punks. Make their communities look a little bit more like the kingdom of heaven. Dunker Punks. Figure out a way to hold on to the hope that another way is possible. Dunker Punks. Love everyone, even our enemies. Dunker Punks. Nonviolent, nonconformist Anabaptists sharing audio accounts of following Jesus to God's revolutionary reality. We seek truth to spread love and stand up for the marginalized. I'm your host, Pastor Nancy Fitzgerald. Hey, this is Emmett Eldred, your new co-host. Hello, my name is Kevin Schatz. Dana Cassell here. Hey, this is Sarah Olaminick. I'm Dylan. Hello, I'm Nathan Hustler. My name is Laura Weimer. Hello, I'm Amy Gehring. I'm Jonathan Stauffer. Hello, Dunker Punks. I am Jenna Walmer. I'm Suzanne. Hi, Ashley Haldeman. Josh Brockaway. Hi, friends. Elizabeth Ulrich Swenson here. My name is Noemi Flores. Hello, my name is Jacob Kraus, and you're listening to Dunker Punk's podcast. Skid it, bap, bap, weep, yeah. With support from Arlington Church of the Brethren. On Earth Peace. Office of Public Witness. Dunker Punk's. Committed to Jesus' radical anti empire love in our own world. Disciples of Christ. 
putting the words of Jesus, especially the words that we read in the Sermon on the Mount, into action every day. Hit it, Jacob! Countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving, organic gardener. Like what you hear? Consider making a donation at arlingtoncob.org slash dpp-donor. We were talking about Dunker Punks. They were, they uh-huh. were very excited about Dunker Punks. Dunker Punks for life. See you next time.